Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Radio you can touch. I'm gassed. I'm so excited. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. As a high Bob Lutz. Higher than a kite, my answer would be, no, man, I can't do it. Hey, man, I'm high. Oh, shocking monsters. Jeff Lutz. Please, someone, at Bob Lutz, tell him how misguided he is. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. It's an excursion into the odd and into the very, very different. Stand by for action. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. A Tuesday edition of the Bob and Jeff Show here on KFH Radio. It's Bob Lutz and Jeff Lutz co-hosting, as always, Max Power, producing and engineering the phone number 869-1240. That's the IHOP hotline. If you want to weigh in, if you want to get involved, if you want to drop an opinion, we welcome you to do so. Here's Jeff Lutz uh, here in his comfort zone. Uh, Kind of a new... A uh, setup down here. What do you think of it? Well, do you want my honest opinion? Yeah, I do. If you're going for less clutter, I think we've missed the mark. But well, we're going to be less clutter. We're going to move we're this s- chair back to this corner, maybe. No, we're not moving it to that corner. We're we're going to set it up over there. It'll look great once I get everything done. Okay, I'll trust the but process. But there's going to be a lot of stuff still going to the the dumpster bin. Uh, we just started on that process, and there'll be some things. Uh, uh, taken and and valued, I wish and you had a, more of a willingness to give things away rather than just. I know there's a lot of things in here that you just throw away, discard. There's papers, there's stuff that uh, no one would ever have a use for. I, but. Here's what I threw away in the last go around. I never thought I'd do this, and some people, my wife may be distraught. She may think that I'm the worst person in the history of the world. Well, let's hear it. Because here's what I gave away. And don't not gave away, threw away, threw away. Don't think I uh, didn't have some moments. Okay, for years and years, my mother, bless her soul, cut out every story I wrote for the Wichita Eagle. And after she passed away in 1999 or 1990, her friend Orletta Angle, Orletta Angle, yeah, I know, uh, continued to cut out stories. For another three years. And would mail them to you. Mailed them to me. They were taking up so much room in my house that I finally decided I had to get rid of them. Man, that's tough. It is tough. And that's, uh, that's not you. That's your mother. That's like 
I don't know. That's tough. Like you talking to me about giving away these uh, monstros monstrosity level pictures of myself. What do you mean monstrosity? They're big but... and they're you know well, they're framed. They're, they're they're there's individual photos in a big frame. And you say you would kill to have pictures of of your sports teams. Why would you not kill to have your articles? Because I was never going to look at them. What would you uh, do with your team photos? Here, oh, I'd, I'd love to have those. I've hunted high and low for a photo of my service auto glass team from uh, 1973, the summer of. And I know I have it, and I don't know what happened to it, and I'd, I'd love to find I never throw away photos. But I lived that. I wrote those stories. There's no need for them anymore. Um, I just didn't need them. You know what I'm saying? My mother got great joy a, which, out of cutting them out. But it's it, here we are. Uh, maybe you could have donated a few to a museum. No, some, no museum wants anything. That's not uh, true. No museum wants anything. If you covered something that was uh, that was uh, a turning I'm point. I'm not going to go through those stories. I kept anything that has value um, that I was involved in. I kept that stuff in a separate place. But just see Cheney beats Garden Plain. I, no, what, I'm if, not. what if Cheney High School would have wanted no, that? No, I'm, I'm not going to go approach. I'm not going to look for it. I'm not going to spend that much time on it. Okay. Uh, and I didn't feel great about it. But I feel pretty good about it now because it's less clutter. And some of this Cardinal stuff that I have, uh, that may be taken out to... Uh, somewhere to to get, no, I'm not going to get rid of much of that. Uh, I, mean, I wouldn't think it's not taking up space. It's just sitting on the ledge. But I got so much of it. There's so much that isn't on the ledge. Well, I mean, do what you got to do, I guess. I mean, I got bats. I got. I, I got. Here's, a, here's another question I have for you, and I don't. I'm not looking for like. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious. Uh, you gave me a box of my stuff the other day, right? Yeah. And I knew this already. I've seen most of that stuff before. But it stops at, like, second grade. Where's all my third, yeah, I had fourth, no, I had nothing. fifth, I had, sixth grade? I lost interest. Yeah. Um, second grade, you were cute. Third grade, eh. Uh, I want my third grade stuff. <laughs> I don't know where your third grade stuff is. There's, a, there's, again, a turning point somewhere there where it's like, okay, well, Jeff has given up. And that happened in about fourth grade. You gave up? Kind of. Really? Gave yeah. up what? Just gave up at school. and Why? You know, just was starting to be disillusioned by it. Well, that's, no, that's ridiculous. I wanted, to, I wanted to see that evidence. Because first and second grade, I, I mean, third grade, too, I was kind of crushing it. But by fourth grade, it's like, yeah, do I really need to be doing this? Well, that's wonderful for a parent to hear at any time of their life. Oh, please. Thank God you have a, a young woman in Aaron who has her foot to the pedal. And if she tells the, me in 20 years that I, I wasn't really into foot it. Foot to the metal. I don't care. What is that? It's water under the bridge, man. No, you, you, you always want your kids to give it their best. No matter, no matter. I was what. probably giving it my best. My best was just how much are you in, reduced uh, by quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, but I'm, you know, you you always want your kid to give it their best. I think my parents can rest assured that although I had my moments and I went sideways uh, when it got to when I got to junior high, that I always have given it my best. Well, I'm glad. I mean, my best in terms of 
I've always been driven. I've always, I, I was thinking of a Facebook post I wanted to write sometime about how I'm 68 now. I've gotten to this age. Mortality is certainly something you consider uh, all the time. You, it's not, you think about it virtually every day. And if people are out there telling you they don't at my age, they're lying to you. So you, you get to this point, and I've kind of crossed two things off my list that make it so that if I were to go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge anything. Well, you I've, wouldn't because you'd had, be dead. I've, had, uh, I've, uh, I've done what I, want, what I set out to do with the accomplishment of a couple things that were holes in my resume. But now they're not. I don't. I don't feel like I have any holes in my. Oh, leak forty two and what? Well, you don't Debbie? need to know. Yes, it's it's personal. No, I just I just got both of them, so we're fine. Um, and so I I feel like I've I feel like I can truthfully say I've had a life fulfilled. Uh, whereas there was a long time in my life that I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel like I had a fulfilling life. I had a fun life. I had friends and I had good times but not a fulfilling life and unless well, you can get to the end of it and say you've had a fulfilling life and really that's all on you each individual right it can look differently in that every definition case. is is as broad as anything absolutely but do you feel like you've had a fulfilling life are you asking me I am for the most part yeah the whole in my resume is not get spending more time around Major League Baseball. Really? Yeah. That's a hole in your rut. I would say it's so. Nothing like nothing bigger than that? No. <laughs> Think about Where'd you get this blase? What do you mean? Where'd you get it? Why would I have what what's unfulfilled outside of that? My anything that you're fulfill to me what you're trying to fulfill in your life doesn't involve baseball. Doesn't involve it's something that I love, and it's something that I would have enjoyed. Maybe enjoyed. I tried to pursue it for a little while, and it just kind of didn't happen. But it's okay. Maybe it still could happen. You never know. Well, I guess. I don't know. It's to me, this is a little bit deeper than. Well, I feel like all the depth parts or... of my life, I've been, I've been okay. Eh, good for you. I mean, I'd have to think about it, but it seems like on the surface. My depth has been good. That's a contradiction. Huh. Well, good for you. Maybe. I guess. I'm sure I could think of something. As I said, each individual has a different way of gauging that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, my I'm life's not... pretty good. I, I don't know anyone who would be in my spot and complain about it. Well, I never complained about it. As I said, did. I didn't complain about my life. I just felt like there was more that needed to happen. I get it. Uh, so that's where I am now. Those things have happened. There's always more, you know, there's always, you should always be looking for more. No, I'm not looking for more. No, now. I'm, I'm I saying want to sustain most people should evolve and continue to no, grow. Not you a, don't not want to a, grow as a person. I think I've grown as much as I'm going to grow. As a person. You think you're a finished product. I think what I've done, what I've accomplished in my life, who I am, I think it's pretty much a wrap. Now I'm just going to try to enjoy it and make sure that it uh, has staying power. 
but I'm not I'm not out there now trying to well I gotta I gotta be better. I gotta do something. And no. That's no one's saying you gotta much. do something, but to continue to work on yourself. No, I'm not I'm not that. working on myself. Well that's your that's your issue. No, I I'm guess. a fine what what would I work on? What in the world would I work on so you're with perfect. my with my personal no, I'm not perfect. But give me an example. What would I work on? If you were, if somebody were to ask you in a private setting, well, your dad you, seems pretty cool, but what does he need to work on? you should work on fluctuating emotions and channeling your emotions wanna, a little. I like having uh, emotions. Well, yeah, but we don't need to be up and down all the time. Well, I like being up and down. You do? You enjoy that? Yeah, I don't mind it. Okay. I don't mind having good days, bad days, in-between days. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind having that. I don't mind the emotions. I don't mind emotions either, but I'd, if it were my choice, I would not shoot, I would not want them to be so volatile. I don't mind volatility. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about everybody. I'm not, I don't think my emotions are that volatile. I just, huh. uh, I, I'm intense. That's all. Do you need to be intense yes. at 68? You got to be intense. I will say that. At 68? At, uh, yes. Okay. I feel like that you've got to keep it, you got to keep it going. I'm. I've never been intense a day in my life. Why? What? Am I falling well, behind? I don't know. You're. You're not my son or or something. I don't know. Why can't we just be different people? Well, we might be different people, but I know you should be proud of uh, raising me. I'm proud of raising you, but where's the intensity? It's not really there. You gotta have. I mean, I'm intense about some stuff. Well, you're intense about your employment. I hope. Not really. You're not intense about doing the best job you can? I would like to do the best job that I can, but I'm not intense about it. Intense is not uh, my friend. Intensity is not where I should well, be living. intensity is my friend. Good. I like intensity. I've loved it ever since I was a, a kid. Uh, and pitching and intensity was a huge part of, uh, of my youth baseball experience. Being and I, not really mine. I love pitching. And I loved the one-on-one -on -one battle. And it was a battle. That's how I looked at it. You're stepping into the batter's box against me. I'm going to battle. <laughs> What's so funny about that? I don't know. It's the truth. I'm giving you insight into who I am. Uh, it's funny. You want to laugh about it? I'm not really laughing about it. I'm just kind of laughing with it, I guess. What are you laughing at? Not, not really laughing at anything. What if I wanted? That's. I mean, that's just a little serious for my taste. Like some guy out there, sixteen. Oh, this is a battle. Why don't you just go pitch and get the guy out? I love and to then pitch. go out for ice cream after the no, game. No, I love to pitch. It was. Uh, it was a. My idol is Bob Gibson. Do you think he was intense? A little bit. A little bit. Sure. <laughs> he was just a little bit intense. He seemed intense at times. <laughs> at times, every time he pitched. Are, are you may are you just trying to get under my skin? <laughs> well, no, so be easy. honest. It's so easy. You don't know Bob Gibson. I don't you never know saw Bob him Gibson. pitch. Well, no, I didn't because you know why? I wasn't. Uh, I, I wasn't him pitch alive. A lot, and I listened to him pitch a lot, and I know from reading about him how intense he was, and he was my idol. You don't think I'm going to try to emulate that? Uh, probably so. Yeah, of course so. My guy's Pedro. He's intense. Well, sure he is. But you don't idolize Pedro. No, I don't idolize him. You didn't idolize a pitcher. You didn't want to be like 
a pitcher. But I love Pedro. I Pedro wanted to my be favorite like a pitcher, pitcher of all time. I was a pitcher. Okay, but, uh, that's the same stuff I admired about Pedro that you admired about Bob Gibson. Then why don't you admire it in me? Because you're not quite Bob Gibson. I'm not saying I'm Bob Gibson. I, I didn't say I didn't I had, admire it. I had intensity. Sure. It wasn't anything for me to glare at a hitter uh, if they if they upset me. I mean, I, that's what I did. Okay, but you— Does that make me a bad guy? No, but as a coach, I, I had some form of intensity. You just didn't like the way I, I uh, exuded it. No, I'm not a big— uh, but that's, I'm going to get into the batter's box and impersonate. Oh, please. I did that. And, we were up a thousand. Yeah, that's what made it worse. Uh, I'm talking about playing a, a legit game. If I'd have been game. the other coach, I would have come into the box and tackled. Well, the guy did try to hit me. The problem was he threw about 42 miles an hour. And I was well, I would have somehow put in the able to get 90 out of miles an hour and plunked you right in the shoulder blade. <laughs> uh, what's your thought? I don't remember. But the way I played was also my own form of an intensity i hated opponents i wanted to win very badly i just played differently i played so where it was enjoyable for me to where i got the most I out of the lot. experience there's nothing that's been more fun in my life than pitching in baseball that is the ultimate experience well in for my me playing life. center field i feel probably pretty similar well fine i loved playing defense and catching the ball you didn't have the ball all the time i had the ball in my hand I controlled the game along with the catcher. I pitched I was, sometimes. Yeah, you weren't a pitcher like I was. That's all I well, did. Well, you weren't a hitter like I was. I was a good hitter. You weren't a defensive player. I was defensive a, I was a like fine it. hitter until I got to high school, and they uh, they discouraged that. I, I was a good hitter in high school. Ah, you were fine. You, you plunked it a couple hits down, a couple, le- you know, opposite field singles. Please. <laughs> Uh, anyway, did you watch the Braves Phillies yesterday? Watched a little bit. Where's of it. the $50 for Zach Wheeler? Oh, I'll have it. He was, no, really, that was a real bet. I said five, but. Okay, where's five? Oh, I'll get it to you. No, now. I, I spent it yesterday. He was, uh, unhittable, literally. And then he hung a curveball to Travis Darno, and that made the game interesting. And then they hung another pitch. Uh, to Austin Riley, who hit a – he's so strong. He had a one-handed pop fly. Got out. Way out. I mean, I, these guys are incredible. Uh, he was kind of fooled on the pitch, but got the barrel on it. Yes. And is so strong that the ball left the park, giving the Braves a 5-4 lead. And then in the uh, ninth inning, the Phillies, it looked like uh, Castellanos' ball was going to get down. And Michael Harris made a incredible running catch. They said 45% catch probability. Are you kidding me? How, yeah. do, how do they? First of all, I'm not even going to dispute that. I don't know what the probability. How in the world do they come up with? Well, these? it's math. It's just math. The amount of time. What amount about of, the break? How, who gets that kind of a break? That's measured in all that. The break. Uh, the the route. Uh, first step, that's all measured. That's part of the, the measurement. Who's, who's doing that? Well, I don't know. It's math. It's it's digital. It's immediate. We can we can find this stuff out. There's millions that's of a points of data. 45% catch probability for him 
or for any anybody. center field? Major league quality, major league center field. How do they measure that? Uh, by taking the where the ball landed, the launch angle, the, the velocity, and uh, measuring it against uh, the, the defensive I'd love player. I'd see half the center fielders catch that ball. Well, he did get an unbelievable jump. He he ran out of his route briefly and then got back into it, and it is extremely fast. And, and Bryce it, Harper got doubled off first, and people some people are blaming him. You got to be in a position to score that run. Yeah, but he shouldn't have gone around second, probably. I don't know about that. I I don't know about that. That's a tough call. He was probably going to score. Imagine if that ball gets down and he doesn't score. Uh, if he's standing at second base and the ball drops, he probably scores. Mm, you got to start it up again. I got no real issue with the base running decision. You got to you got to go from a flat-footed start. It's not. I, I don't know. I don't know. They just made a heck of a play, and give Austin Riley credit for being aware and backing up those throws and making an incredible play. It's an I mean, unbelievable it, play. Austin Riley. I can't even express how good he is. He's very good. Yeah. He he's, is good. He's an excellent player. All and right. that's why you don't count out the Braves because they have four or five of those guys. Well, Zach Wheeler was everything I told you he was. Uh, here's the show today. What's on tap? John Kirby from Jayhawk Slant will get uh, some perspective on Kansas football. Uh, they're coming off an impressive win over Central Florida. At 245, Gary Hockstetter, the lead singer of Fool House. They will be at the Cotillion coming up Friday night with their brand of 90s music. And they cover it all. I'm looking forward to talking to Gary Hockstetter at 245. And we'll have a game coming up in hour number two at 325. Uh, this is the Bob and Jeff Show. And you're listening to KFH. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 12.40 KFH.
All right, Peter Gabriel, sizing it up, big time. The name of the song. All right, welcome uh, back. John Kirby from the Jayhawk Slant joins us. We're going to talk some KU football coming off a wipeout win over Central Florida on Saturday. Hey, John. Bob, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. So did you expect uh, 400 yards rushing uh, the other day? I know Central Florida uh, doesn't stop the run, but my goodness, that was uh, that was an incredible ground performance by the Jayhawks. Yeah, no, I didn't. Um, and I'm not so sure anybody would have put money down that KU was going to rush for 400 yards. You, you know, Central Florida has a, a – a legit defensive tackle. He's, he was injured. Um, he was preseason Big 12 on everybody's list. And, you know, they had just come off a tough loss against Baylor where they blew a 35-7 to lead. And they opened up at Kansas State where Kansas State kind of roughed them up physically. And, Bob, just watching the game, as it, as it kind of developed, you just sat there and said, you know, Central Florida, they just don't want this – they don't want to be part of this game. It's a, it's a physical game. KU was going right at them, and you could almost just tell that, you know, that that loss from the week before. And then, hey, looking ahead, they got to go to Oklahoma after their bye week, and Central Florida's looking at an 0-4 start in Big 12, which I'm sure you could probably go back over their history of what conferences they've played in. I'm sure they haven't started 0-4 very often. They might be questioning this move at this point. Jeff. How much did that change the perception? I don't know if that's the right way to frame it, but just of KU coming off the loss against Texas, uh, still no Jalen Daniels in the lineup, and they put a performance up like that. They get back up into the top 25. I mean, I know these things fluctuate week to week. Anything can happen, but that was a little bit of a breakthrough for KU, wasn't it? Well, Jeff, you know, I think it made things easy, and I'll tell you why. You know, Jason Bean finds out he's going to start 30 minutes before the Texas game. Okay, and that's not easy on anybody because when you, I know he can move and he, he he's a good runner and he's got speed and things like that. But he's he's him and Jalen Daniels are still different. You, you you I still think you game plan differently for the two. So this gave KU a full week to to have Jason Bean taking the reps with the ones and the starter. He took all the reps and a game plan was devised around what he could do. But I do think things got a lot easier when they're able to just hand the ball off and Bean only has to throw 12 times to where you're just you're, – they're just finding gaps. I mean, guys, they were running untouched for six, seven yards on some of those runs. They weren't even touched till about halfway down their field on the, on the runs. Talking to KU football with John Kirby from K, uh, Jayhawk Slant. So – it's been interesting to listen to Lance Leipold as he's asked about uh, the crowd at Memorial Stadium and the kind of the habit of students not coming back after halftime. I try to I try to read what he's insinuating a little bit. It just doesn't seem like he's that thrilled about it. What's your perception? Well, when he was asked about that, he also made the comment that he's got bigger things to worry about too. So. You know, I think, Bob, from everything I can tell, they expect good crowds there all year. I think this was the one game, though, where ticket sales, you know, they've got analytics and numbers they can look at. I think they were lagging behind in the Central Florida game. Now, we know, okay, for Kansas State and Oklahoma, there's going to be great crowds. We know that. 
Texas Tech's a conference opponent. People are very familiar with them. There'll be a good crowd for that game. But the Central Florida game, going into that game, I think there were questions 10 days, two weeks beforehand. They could see how many tickets were out. Then Travis Goff put out a letter that said, hey, we need the fans behind us. We need people who maybe are sitting on the fence that haven't decided whether they're going to go to games, but they're starting to follow Kansas football or or whether you had tickets when Mangino was here and then you gave them up when they started to lose, or maybe you were a student at KU when during those lean years with, with the Gill and the Weiss and the Beatty and the Les Miles, we need those guys on board is what Goff's message was. The thing is, I think that's interesting, when Goff's letter goes out, all of a sudden ticket sales pop up. And they they had they announced a crowd of 46,000. It was probably pretty close to that. So, listen, that's a solid crowd for KU football who's had a losing record for 13 years. You know, when we, we, we make picks here and I try to tr- uh, remain sort of consistent on who I think might be good, and then it, it never works out because, you know, Alabama loses to Texas, which should mean maybe Alabama's not that good, but then Oklahoma beats Texas, uh, which means maybe Texas isn't, isn't that good, and Oklahoma hadn't really beaten anybody, which means they are, really aren't that good perhaps. I mean, is KU good? I mean, how much in the thick of uh, the Big 12 race – uh, especially if they if they happen to beat uh, Oklahoma next up, is, uh, could KU be? Well, I mean, you're you're talking a whole different deal there because you know your first question is how good they can be, can they be? But right. then if they beat Oklahoma, well, now it's game on, okay? Because now all of a sudden you start talking about can they be in the Big Twelve championship if they can beat Oklahoma? But like you just said, we look down week to week, okay? Two weeks ago, when you play that win-loss game in your mind, you're thinking two weeks ago, you're like, okay, K-State going to Lawrence, that's going to be a hard game, okay? I mean, you just chalk it up. Kansas State always plays Kansas well. And then you're going, hey, Oklahoma State, winnable. I'm chalking that up as a win. Going to Ames, that's a win. And now two weeks later, you're going, ooh, that game in Ames is going to be tougher. The game in Stillwater now, you view that as tougher than you did two weeks ago. And then you might look at K-State and go, hey, you like the chances against K-State better after what you've seen from them. So it's like you said, week to week, we've really got to take it like that. And the other reason I think that is, is because we're still trying to figure out what these new teams are in the Big 12, right? I mean, we're trying to figure out, you know, BYU gave KU all they could handle until really they started pulling away in the fourth quarter. They were leading at halftime. Central Florida comes in, and I mean, they just put up nothing of a fight. I think that's one of the things, too, that makes this year interesting is we're trying to figure out the new guys in the league, too, where they factor in this. Yeah, KU uh, on the road in Stillwater just a week after K-State went down there and got thumped. John Kirby from Jayhawk Slant, our guest. I, I thought that win by Oklahoma State threw everything into more disarray than even it had been because you're right. Who even knows now what to think of Oklahoma State? So that's certainly a game that Kansas, by no stretch, can afford to look past. Oh, no. No, I mean, you know, Kansas beat them last year in Lawrence. That was the sixth win when they became bowl eligible. And, you know, Oklahoma State's got some momentum now. They kind of they kind of messed around those first few weeks of the season playing three quarterbacks, maybe to see which guy was going to fit. And now they – you know, they've got Bowman. They went to Ames, and he put up, I think they scored 28, so their offense showed some signs of life. You know, they moved the ball against Kansas State the other night. So, you know, things are coming around to Oklahoma State. You know, during their bye week, Oklahoma State had some hard physical practices and kind of found out who they are. So, 
you know, Oklahoma State, listen, guys, <laughs> go back and look at the history of Kansas going to Stillwater. And I haven't done this, but uh, there's been a lot of 55 to 7 and 61 to 10 type games down there over the last 10, 15 years. That, that has been a hard place for Kansas to play. Uh, more with uh, John Kirby from Jayhawk Slant. So what's what's the situation now uh, at quarterback with Kansas? Uh, it doesn't seem like Jalen Daniels has really been healthy in, in a while. I mean, really healthy to where uh, he's the electric performer uh, we know he can be. But they've got uh, Jason Bean as their backup who has had Man, what a remarkable backup quarterback! I, I it, you can go, you can go across the country, I would imagine, and not find somebody as capable uh, as Jason Bean to step in. So where where are things in the quarterback spot now? Yeah, I just think you know right now, Jalen Daniels is out, and Bean's the guy until we hear otherwise. You know, they ask Lance gets asked every week about Jalen Daniels, and his answer is the same. You know, I call it day-to-day or week-to-week, okay? He's probably not going to play this week, all right? I mean, so Jason Bean's going to be the guy. They're going to game plan with him. He does some different things than Jalen Daniels does. And, you know, guys, another question that that a lot of people don't bring up is, okay, who's the backup to Jason Bean? Okay, because if Bean twists his ankle or gets hit and has to go out of the game, now you're going to Cole Ballard, and he's a preferred walk-on who – entered the program in June, looked real good in fall camp, elevated past a couple guys. Right now, he's your backup quarterback. His dad's the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, used to be with the Chiefs. So, I mean, you know, the the quarterback situation has definitely changed. And, you know, I thought people forget this. Jalen Daniels missed two weeks of fall camp with the same back injury that he's got now. So this thing can linger around. But he came back and looked pretty good there against BYU. He ran for 70 yards in that game. And we started to see the old Jalen Daniels more in that BYU game. And then, you know, then the injury comes. So what, what does that game plan look like with Jason Bean? If it's, a, if it's a long-term thing, do they hand more responsibilities over to him? Is it going to look like uh, the UCF game where it's kind of a not really ground and pound, I guess, since it went for 400 yards, but more of a, a running style, control the clock kind of thing? Absolutely, and that's what KU's done. You know, pe- people, if you go look at total plays and plays run, KU's always kind of in the bottom of the country. Even last year, this year, you know, they huddle, they take their time. You know, they're not a fast-paced team. With Bean, I think the key is is when you got Devin, Neal, and Highshaw, if they can get rolling, boy, that takes a lot of stress off your quarterback. But there's going to be some games, guys, coming up here. And I don't know if it starts this week in Stillwater or when. But there are going to be defensive coordinators that start saying, okay, we are not going to sit here and let Kansas run it up, okay? We are going to start loading the box. We're going to start making Bean throw the ball. We're going to start making him earn some throws. And, again, I've got to think Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator, he's watching that Central Florida game, and he's going, okay, this is not going to happen Saturday. Okay, we're going to do everything we can to shut down the run, and we'll try to let Bean throw all he wants. But they're going to, some teams are going to do everything they can to take away that run game. Well, it's, uh, it's fun to watch KU football for sure. We appreciate your insight, John Kirby from the Jayhawk Slant. John, thanks so much. All right, guys, take care. Thanks.
Okay, you on the road in Stillwater to face Oklahoma State coming up this Saturday at 2.30 in the afternoon. We are joined by Gary Hockstetter. He is the lead singer of Fool House. They will be at the Cotillion here in Wichita on Friday night, 8 o'clock, with their brand of 90s rock. Gary, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. I'm I'm intrigued by your band, but first, uh, before we get into that, I want to know about your musical background. Uh, take us on that journey, would you? Oh, well, I kind of started off more as just a guitar player with uh, more classic rock, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, that sort of stuff. So uh, didn't really think that that road would lead me into you know singing '90s pop hits and stuff. But uh, here we are. <laughs> How did that happen? When did you uh, discover that, uh, hey, here's here's something I can do. I can go out and sing 90 songs. Well, uh, you know, uh, being based out of Chicago uh, in the Midwest, like it's it's uh, the tribute acts and the cover band routes, like it's it's very uh, prevalent and uh, it's it's attainable if you put in the work and find the right group of guys to kind of make a living out of it. So it was definitely a, a business decision because, you know, we all reached that point of you either got to, give up the dream or adjust. And, you know, I, I wasn't quite ready to give up the dream. I'll, that's all I ever wanted to do was make music for a living or, or perform. So uh, it was kind of more of a conscious decision to, you know, as the 80s bands were really, the covered acts and tribute acts were really kind of king and still are doing really well. Uh, it's just kind of a logical step for me. Uh, and the guys that started the band were with the 90s was the next thing. So, Gary Hockstetter, our guest, lead singer of Fool House. He'll be at the Cotillion on Friday night. So you do you do stuff all over the map uh, from the 90s. Uh, that versatility is pretty impressive. How do you do a, a Britney Spears song and then come back with the Isley Brothers? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's just uh, the, uh, the depth of the players in the band, right? Like everything's got the... Uh, a little, uh, a lot more of that live band feel to it. Uh, you know, we had, uh, it's a kind of a feeling out process to get the right mix of guys. Um, you know, like the guy that originally started the band with us wasn't really a big fan of the way that our guitar player played the songs because our guitar player does add a little bit more of a rock element to a lot of those songs and give it more of that energy and live band feel. Um, so I think just the, the fact that if there is kind of a unique sound to the way that the guys play the music um, allows me to kind of jump back and forth um, between that, between all the different genres. And it keeps it fun for me, right? Like it's, it's, uh, it doesn't keep it, uh, it's, it's not, it's, we're doing, you know, majority of the same songs over and over because there's no real new 90 songs coming out. And just like most bands, people expect to come and see certain things when they come. Right. So, um, but, but doing the different varieties and all the different genres uh, makes it fun because it does get to kind of, showcase as you said the versatility so you know if you go back to like the uh the beginning of popular music maybe maybe elvis or so you can pretty much find distinctive sounds you you think of something when you hear 50s 60s 70s 80s uh these these, they were all pretty distinguishable what what do you hear or think of when you think of 90s music what is that identity and do you think that still exists now when i say 2010s or 2020s music do you think people still have kind of the same romanticism about it well, you know, to start with that last part, I don't know if there's the romanticism about it, um, but there's definitely still uh, the sounds that come and go. That, like, I mean, up 
until I think it's kind of started to change maybe a little bit, but it seemed like whenever I would turn on a just whatever radio station or wherever that's playing the, the pop songs, you know, the same ones every hour, like almost everything had a reggae tone beat for a while, for the longest time. Um, and uh, everything's obviously gotten a lot more digital nowadays. So, um, you know, I'm not even like Taylor Swift, for example, right? The biggest, biggest artist in the world you know, kind of unquestionable popularity uh, with being the biggest right now. Um, you know, I think her older songs are better written and, and a little more lively than her newer songs because the newer songs are kind of just that more uh, droney, like slow computer vibe. Um, but, you know, with the 90s stuff, it's funny, like my, my guitar player pointed out, they all just, they, they all kind of had a unique thing, the way that, uh, something that stuck out and made them musically uh, unique, um, even, uh you know, going off of that, like I said, I, I was, you know, I was more of a rock kid when I was growing up. And, you know, one of my favorite bands from that time was Stone Temple Pilots. And, like, their guitar player isn't really necessarily regarded as, you know, an all-time great. But, like, that guy uses all kinds of cool chords and progressions and uh, just really unique stuff to make those songs kind of stand out and, and sound a little different. Um, and, and I mean, you know, I think rock music nowadays in general, is kind of gotten a little, it's very hard and heavy. Uh, so that's kind of the thing with that, but yeah, I mean, there's always going to come and go phases and cycles of what, uh, what's popular and it usually is what's new, right? Like that's kind of what takes over. Like somebody does something new and then there's 15 other people that are, are doing it thereafter. Right. Talking, uh, with, Fool, Fool House, lead singer Gary Hockstetter, that band, is at the Cotillion on Friday night. Um, so you do these songs. Uh, you, you said you mix in some new songs now and then. What are the songs in your mind? I'm sure when you're sleeping at night, you probably think about what songs can we add to this? I'd, I'd love to do this song or I'd love to do that song. Uh, doing something like this gives you... Uh, a great uh, opportunity to spread the wealth. So what song maybe that you haven't done uh, would you like to do? Uh, it's funny. This actually just came up about a couple of weeks ago. I think uh, we're going to get ready to try uh, Inside Out by E6, which is a massive song from that time frame that uh, we just haven't played yet. Um, uh, I think we're also going to kind of wait and see uh, what Usher does at the Super Bowl to maybe throw in a couple, one or two of his, depending on what he plays, if they fit. Um, the biggest thing, too, is, is uh, a lot of times we get caught off guard by songs that we think are going to go over really well, just because, again, we, we try to play the biggest songs of the decade, ones that everybody knows. And, but some of those songs, for whatever reason, just kind of fall flat. Um, because I guess, you know, they don't really fit in maybe necessarily with the way that we perform the other songs. So, uh, or they just, they don't, over the course of time, now as time has gone on, they don't really hold up and uh, stick up as well as, as some of the other ones do. Um, so the E6 is one that we're going to get ready to try here, uh, you know. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, like I said, it's kind of a cycle of uh I guess if, if you pull up Spotify, Billboard, 190 songs, that's, that's, our set list is going to basically be made of those. You know, we play about 50 songs, 50 to 60 in, in a set. So it's just kind of a blending those all together and what flows best for the set. So I think I could probably talk about 90s music all day because that's when I grew up and, you know, that's when uh, people think that pop culture was the best and the most fun. Um 
is when they grew is when they grew up. So you know, I'm I'm thinking about what the '90s music legacy was, and in back then you could turn on a radio station and hear Usher, and then hear Eve Six, and then hear Britney Spears, and then you know hear some more R&B and more rock. And we don't have that anymore. It's it's pretty specialized. When did you maybe start to notice that that uh, the eclectic eclecticness of of music radio and and popular music was kind of more specialized? Uh, man, I mean, it's, it's got to be, I would say, at least probably 15 years or so now. And, and you're absolutely right. Like, uh, I was talking about this the other day with somebody. Like, it's uh, the the rock music doesn't necessarily associate with, uh, you know, like if you're talking about kids, like it doesn't associate with the cheerleader. And then sometimes the pop music doesn't associate with the football player. Whereas, really, I feel from, as you pointed out, up from Elvis up until uh, that time, maybe, you know, the mid-2000s, like, everybody kind of listened to a little bit of everything. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it definitely is more specialized. And I think that's just because it's kind of the extremes. Like, everybody is really, like I said, with rock specifically, it's so heavy and so aggressive for the most part that, yeah, you, you know, kids that aren't, maybe you don't have those anger issues or, you know, those, uh, those darker, darker thoughts. Like they don't, they don't really associate with it. Um, whereas bands like, uh, Led Zeppelin and, and those rock bands were kind of just more about still having fun. Um, and then same thing with hip hop, like hip hop, I think has gotten so, so specialized culturally that it sometimes alienates, right? Like people that don't, that, uh, aren't around that culture, don't associate with it, don't, uh, it's it just, it, yeah, it's incredibly specialized. Uh, yeah, it's, I'd say 10 to 15 years, easily. Gary, Gary Hockstetter, our guest. So what's your typical crowd age? I'm 68. Do I go to your show? You know what? Honestly, I would. Our our most diehard fan is like a sixty five year old man, which blows our mind. <laughs> it really is. Uh, he's he's traveled. He's from. He's, I know exactly from Waterloo, Iowa. And he's driven all over the place to see us, and so I, I love that because, like I said, that, that speaks to the way that just we bring an energy and, and perform the songs in a way that, yeah, I wouldn't think a sixty five year old man would necessarily. Uh, be willing to travel from Iowa to Pennsylvania to, you know, hear the Backstreet Boys. Um, but our, yeah, our, our target demographic is definitely kind of, uh, like we said, like a soccer mom's night out, right? Like, uh, you know, 35 and up probably, 35 to 55 uh, in, in that range. Um, but I mean, the, the guys that even though our demo is, is probably mostly geared towards women and, are, and the song list is geared towards women, I the the guys enjoy it just as much because we do, like I said, touch all the bases. And, I mean, obviously, as the saying always goes and has always been, like, where the girls go, the guys will go. And if the girls are having fun, the guys are going to have fun. So this may be a make or break on whether I buy a ticket. Do you do Interstate Love Song from Stone Temple Pilots? No, no, we do not. I would love oh, to. Oh, man. I, I absolutely <laughs> would love to. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that was actually when they were when they were looking for uh when they were looking for a lead singer a couple of years back they had that contest where you could like sing it and submit it and that was uh that was the one i did because that's that's my wheelhouse that's that's uh that's right up my speed so uh, i would absolutely love to do that well improvise it do it do it friday just for the yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> okay i'll hey. talk to the guy and see if we can make it happen uh, Gary, we really appreciate your time. Best of luck on your tour. We're happy to have you 
coming to Wichita on Friday night at the Cotillion. Uh, take care. Ha- safe travels. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to coming out there. It's like a beautiful room. All right. Gary Hockstetter from Fool House. A lot of songs on their list. Now, they probably don't do them all, but they've yeah. uh, they've done a lot of songs. Yeah, I, I'm shocked you're not going. Well, I didn't. Who said I'm not? Well, maybe you will. Maybe I will. Maybe you will go to the Cotillion you know, you on Friday know. night. just don't know. I'll be working Friday night, but. Had they done Interstate Love Song, I might have gone. Really? Yep. Well, if this guy was uh, talented enough to even pursue the lead singer gig. Yeah, that's, well, you at least tried, huh? Then, yeah. So what I'm hoping is Max has Interstate Love Song queued up as we go to break, uh, which we're going to do right now. We'll see if Max. I doubt it. Well, we'll see. I have great faith in Max. Well, that's why. Uh, then why aren't we just going to break now instead well, of you trying I'm to talk for a little bit? Because I want Max to understand how much I believe in him. Andrew Fry, our previous producer for a week and a half, did a fine job. Oh, I thought you were going to. But I don't throw him I, under I, the bus. Well, you know. But I, there it is. I knew Max would have it. There it is. You just knew that he would get it. Here we are. Interstate love song. Stone Temple Pilots. We will be back with our number two, the Bob and Jeff Show. KF. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.